winner. So here we are. Last week, we did the best of 2021 was our bonus content for the week, obviously, to launch this new Patreon tier, which is the Just Win Baby tier. But this week, I got to give you content. I committed to it. I have to give it to you. And what I'm doing here today is I'm going to talk about something that I know little about. So let me start there. We're talking about NFTs, the metaverse. We're going to talk about some of the ways that it affects and it impacts sports. And we're just going to, I guess, try and geek out or just be curious. Because, again, I can't really geek out about something I don't know much about. But I'm very curious about this metaverse and this NFT thing. So a few days ago, I'm at Street Roots, obviously. You know, that's where I work at. For those of you that don't know, if you're subscribed to my Patreon, you should know that I work at Street Roots by now. But uh, we got a volunteer at Street Roots by the name of Joe, Joe Arnold to be exact. And me and Joe are just sitting there chopping it up while he's doing his volunteer shift with us at, at Street Roots. And I start asking, asking him about this metaverse stuff. And Come to find out, the dude writes articles about NFTs in the metaverse. So I'm like, man, Joe, I need you to come talk about this on my podcast because I got some general questions. Some of it is sports related. Some of it is more socially related. But I got some questions about the metaverse and NFTs. So, Joe, thank you for joining me today to talk about the metaverse. Hey, Devon. Thanks for having me. I'm always happy to geek out. See I told y'all we geeking out. Joe's going to geek out for us. We geeking out today. So, Joe, let's start here at the at like the most elementary level. I'm seeing people all the time on Twitter, on all these different social media that are like, man, what's up with the NFTs and the metaverse? I want to learn more about of it. Who can give me a quick rundown or a quick masterclass on what this stuff is? Because everybody's interested in it, but nobody knows anything about it. It's such a new thing. Obviously, it's a new advancement in technology that we're seeing. But if you had to sit and give somebody like an elementary explanation of the metaverse and NFTs and what this stuff even means. Can you give that to somebody like myself and many others out there that have no idea about this stuff that are just hearing NFT all over the place and metaverse all over the place and so on and so forth? Yeah, yeah, of course. So so we got to separate the two. Um, okay, let's NFT, start there. We're separating the two. So NFT is a non-fungible token. It's uh, built on the blockchain. Um, which is basically just like a decentralized network of people that verify transactions, basically. Bitcoin okay. is on the blockchain. There's other types of applications in healthcare, um, supply line stuff. Um, so an NFT would be like, you, you see like all the rappers have the um, the cartoon apes. So they yeah. buy, that's a non-fungible token because it's a, it's a unique work of art. And so instead of saying, but it's digital, so right. the challenge with digital art is someone can just right click, save it, and then they have it, they have it on their phone, you know? Um, so with, with an NFT, that gives an opportunity for the artist to monetize their artwork so they can, they put their, um, their artwork on the blockchain and it has a, um, you get a token, individual token, and it's verified by other you know, decentralized um, people online, um, and it basically validates like this is yours. This is your property in the virtual world. So that relates to the metaverse because um, 
we're probably going to see property being bought and sold in a virtual world. And NFTs is the most likely um, way we're going to, you know, do these transactions. Right. So, so, so would an NFT be kind of like a, I mean, it's an avatar because I see them on everybody's like profile pictures and stuff. As you mentioned, I see it with the rappers. My cousin Simba has an avatar as his like profile picture when you go to his Instagram. But is our NFTs sort of like, social security for regular people that aren't in this world yet? Like, is it what identifies you sort of in the space of the metaverse, essentially? Am I, am I, am I, am I getting somewhere? I mean, I, I know what you mean. Um, uh, there's a lot of people. I think Snoop has one. Um, it's a cartoon looks just like him, but that's a little different. That's, okay. um, that's basically just, they're buying, they're investing um, in that piece of art and it's validated by the NFT and then they can put it on an exchange and people can buy and sell it from there. Like Nas just dropped some and he crashed the website yesterday. Wow. So, so you, it's a little different than an avatar. Um, but I, I know you mean people are do, using it that way, but, but no, like an avatar would be like your virtual representation okay. in the metaverse. Okay. But the, the NFT is more of just a way to um, validate your artwork and buy buy digital art. Got it. Got it. So now let's take it to sports here because I'm hearing people talk about these Oculus goggles, where basically like people are sitting courtside at NBA games now, or you can sit wherever in the like metaverse, but you can be attending a live NBA game in the metaverse. And it obviously sounds crazy because obviously, you know, you're used to watching a live NBA game on TV, but in a metaverse, you get a different experience as if you're actually at the game. And we all know how substantial and how significant a live in-game experience is when you go to a game in person. But now, how does this metaverse thing interfere with this new experience to be able to attend games by way of the metaverse with sort of the like live in-person attendance of going to a sports game? So we kind of got a glimpse of this in the bubble. Um, you know, you remember seeing no one could go, obviously. Right. So you remember seeing the the faces up there um, from their webcams. Ah, the game. yes. Remember that? I do. So, so the technology to watch a game courtside with goggles on isn't quite there. Um, I don't know if you have you ever tried them yet. Have you no, I have not. I have not. I just keep hearing about them. Yeah. So the the, the hardware technology is not quite there, and then you you kind of have to film it in like with a three D camera too. So we're not quite there. Okay. So it doesn't add it, it doesn't add value right as of now. Um, you know, watching a game in VR, but. You see something like, um, like with what Microsoft did in the bubble. So you have you have those people attending from all over the world. Um, I can see the metaverse playing a role as like, so say these people they all work together, but they're you know we're we're doing remote work now. These people they live in different countries, whatever. They can watch the game together. Their faces are up in the crowd, and then at halftime they can go into a virtual space, have a drink talk to each other they can they're in a 3d space so they can look over and say oh there's you know there's devon over there let's ask him what he thinks about who's going to win the next quarter or say you play place a bet with somebody and you guys are going you guys are gambling together 
I mean, it's much more fun to be around that person, even if it's in a 3D space. Right. Um, if you win the bet, you know. So, so I'm not that scary when it comes to like technological advances. Part of it is because I'm from the Bay Area. I'm so close to Silicon Valley. Like I'm by no means a tech expert. You can probably hear that based on the questions that I'm asking you right now. But I'm also just not afraid of what technology could become. Essentially, um, when it comes to these sports games, though, and and you know all the things that you just mentioned. Is it better for sport to be able to now have this option or are there cons to now having this option and not being able to um, kind of value the live in-person appearance at these sporting events the same way as we've gone as we've as we've gone to over the years to this particular point? Yeah, I like, I don't see an added value as of now just because like if you wear one of these headsets for 45 minutes you're going to get dizzy um and you, you definitely you can't be sitting next to somebody that's there and you have a drink or whatever but um the future of it um could definitely we could definitely see you know if the cameras advance if it could actually be like you're there sitting courtside um the, so as of now value for the the audience, I don't think it's there, but you see the, um, the venues are definitely going to be interested because they're limited to 20, 30,000 seats. If they can figure out this VR, then, you know, it's everyone with internet connection and the headset um, becomes their market. So you could essentially go from selling like 20,000 tickets to a game to selling like a million tickets or however, whatever the demand is, yeah. essentially, it, yeah, it, it's limitless. You're not constricted by geography. So you could have someone driving their or having their car drive them to work in the morning and they're watching the Nets game on their headset. <laughs> Incredible. Do you do you see like a time period for us to eventually get to that place based on like the progress that you're seeing with this NFT and metaverse stuff? Cause obviously it's become like a commodity present day. Again, enough people don't know about it, but it's, it's a buzzword. The metaverse yep. NFTs, they're buzzwords now. And to even be able to progress to that point, like how soon do you think we'll progress to the point where going and attending these live games via the metaverse is actually worth it? So the, the pandemic has definitely accelerated this, um, you know, with everyone going virtual. Um, and who knows, in the future, you know, we might not even, uh, hopefully not, but, you know, uh, live games might not be an option. Um, so it, it kind of just depends. It depends a lot on the hardware, too. Um, people aren't going to buy, pay much money to see a, a game that offers less value than their TV screen. So... I'd say before we're able to want to go to a game wearing a headset, um, you know, there's going to have to be huge advancements with the, uh, with the virtual reality technology and the hardware. Um, so we're a ways off. I'd say okay. at least a, de a decade before, before that's a, a big deal. But with like the market Microsoft teams thing with like going as a group event and then kind of mingling together halftime or something like that, or watching the halftime show that could be, you know, in the next couple of years. Interesting. Interesting. You mentioned a pandemic and how that's accelerating sort of just the advancements that we're seeing, you know, with this virtual reality stuff. 
But I want to ask you this because four or five, President 45 in particular, has made it to where the conspiracy theorist folks are just off of their rocker. They have not been more enabled to spew out their conspiracies than they have been since he got into the office. Obviously, we got Biden now, but still, they're still riding that wave. But but my question essentially is, I've heard sort of the thought process, which, like I said, has more of a conspiracy element to it. Like, obviously, folks think that this coronavirus stuff is BS in the conspiracy world. And they believe that this virtual reality, these virtual reality advancements are directly connected to that of the world shutting down so that we can see things move at an accelerated pace. As you just mentioned, what do you say to those folks who are kind of like tying in the realities of coronavirus and the world shutting down and us having to put a pause to so many things in real life to that of it being a plan for us to have this accelerated technology advancement in the virtual reality space. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I can see where that, that conspiracy is going. You know, we're all, we're all confined to our homes and we're living off the government and we never go outside and we're just kind of being shoved ads through the metaverse and consuming products. Um, you know, it's not hard to, it's not hard to make that connection, honestly. And it's not, and, uh, with, <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of these conspiracies are kind of crazy, but, um, it, yeah, this isn't, I mean, this is not too far off, really. Um, seeing Z what Zuckerberg is doing, changing the name to Meta, um, it is kind of scary. And and you see how, like, the influence of Facebook um, with misinformation, and they're basically just, they're trying to transcend the, the computer screen to make it three-dimensional. And, you know, it's kind of scary to think of how, like, misinformation and how, you know, um, just how we're, consuming the news and consuming content when the walls of our computer basically go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. It's, that's, it's definitely, uh, that's a uh, more on the valid side of these, uh, these crazy conspiracies, um, connecting it to coronavirus though. I mean, that's, it's, uh, yeah, that's a little far out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the virus is real. <laughs> the the virus is real. It is killing people. It, it is a real thing. It's not fake. But like I said, I, I'm one of those people like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't subscribe to that conspiracy necessarily, but it's at least one of those conspiracies that you can kind of make sense of in this particular case. Whether you believe it or not is one thing, or whether you agree with it or not is another thing, but you can kind of like be like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's become a buzzword during a pandemic. And, you know, ah, it's something yeah. that can make you think twice, at least. Yeah, definitely. And, and science fiction has done, been doing it uh, since the 80s. Um, they basically said, like, you know, the future is going to be the environment is just completely destroyed. We've extracted all the fossil fuels, destroyed the atmosphere. Going outside is almost impossible. So you're just basically hooked up to a headset. You're going to work all day. Entertainments, virtual, everything. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is kind of scary. But um, 
I think the the applications that will really um, be successful going forward are things that mix the real world with the virtual world. Like, like going to a car dealership from your bedroom, you throw on a headset and you get to test drive a new car, but you're going to actually get a real car eventually, you know? So you're not, you're not completely consumed in the digital world. Yeah. Yeah. For you, how is this? Like, like I, like, again, I, we just talked about it on Monday and I called you and I'm like, yo, I want to talk about this on Patreon. Cause it's something I want to learn more about. It's something that I think would be cool for listeners to learn more about. So we're just going to talk about it because it, it's, it's exclusive bonus content here. But for you, like, how has the metaverse impacted you in regards to, like, do you see it as a good thing? Do you see it as a bad thing? I mean, you obviously speak to the combination of the real world and the metaverse can be a really good thing. But for general society, when you think about capitalism and when you think about, you know, all the different issues in society today that have kind of like this socio-political angle is this direction that we're going in right now ultimately more good for society than bad? Or how do you, how do you view that? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely skeptical about it, especially when these technology companies who have incredible power um, are just like foaming at the mouth for this, <laughs> this metaverse. I think Facebook or Meta, they're investing like $10 billion in the next couple of years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely plans of being monetized, um, advertising, um, just extracting wealth. Um, these, these are all real and, um, yeah, it could go sideways. It, it could be bad. Um, definitely. I'm just, uh, I am hopeful cause I, I am a huge fan of technology, but, um, yeah, you have to, um, you definitely have to be careful. You know, what Facebook has done to America is, is uh, you know, we're not going to really ever go back at this point with these, uh, the misinformation. And, um, it could be, it, the metaverse could lead down that pathway and it could be even worse. I got a question because you got Bay Area roots as well, and you obviously speak to your interest in technology. Just for you as a person, like, like was that just from, you know, having Bay Area ties or... What was it that kind of catapulted you into like I'm 100% into technology and the world of it? Um, so I was working an advertising job um, almost from when I got out of college, um, traditional media. So I saw that that wasn't you know the, where the future was going. So I decided to do uh, coding classes in uh, at Denver University back in Colorado. Um, so I, I learned how to code, um, but I never really wanted to get into a full-time career. Um, and I've been uh, freelance writing, um, since then. And one of my just, it's just an area that I'm interested in and I can talk to people who do code and do have companies, um, that, um, build software. So, um, I can speak their language and then I'm pretty good at, uh, dissecting it and making it digestible for a normal person. So, um, yeah, that's where I feel like a kind of a middleman with, uh, with technology. Talk about your, your latest article that you wrote. Um, you wrote an article recently about the metaverse in particular. Can you just kind of talk to us a little bit about it? And it, it was, a uh, 
The seven metaverse opportunities you shouldn't pass or you shouldn't miss, excuse me, was what was written about. Can you just kind of talk to us about that article a little bit? Yeah, so this is from my clients. Um, they're business based in uh, Austria, and uh, they do uh, they break down business models mostly from uh, technology companies. Um, and so uh, I wrote this article. It's uh, uh, basically about the uh, it breaks down the definition, um, compares how how our existing online world um, can transcend like beyond the user interface that we have today to uh, three-dimensional or um, augmented reality. Um, and then it gets into these investment opportunities and how, how like NFTs and cryptocurrency can be applied in the metaverse. So like um, this, uh, this gaming platform called Roblox, um, massively popular for like middle school age kids. You can go on there and it's a virtual world. You can um, you can basically build a game without knowing how to code, without knowing how to um, do like visual effects software. So they've made it like a drag and drop, basically way to build games. And then you can make um, you can monetize your game, so other people in that world can come and play your game that you built within this virtual world, and you can charge them to play the game. Um, you can charge them for outfits, like for their avatars. And then it's all built on cryptocurrency. Like the Roblox has, I think it's called Ro Roblox. Um, oh, their, their, yeah. their coin. So yeah, that, I mean, that's a good example of how like the NFTs and the blockchain and um, crypto ties in with the metaverse. Um, yeah. And then the article just kind of breaks down like, uh, I think seven um, opportunities to you know, get in before before it's completely monetized by uh, Apple, Google, and Facebook. Yeah, because <laughs> that's usually how that works. Well, 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 Joe, man, I appreciate you for coming on. This is the first Patreon exclusive content we'll have, and we'll post it on the main channel as well as, you know, I'm trying to get people to come over to the Patreon and subscribe to the Patreon to hear content like this that's different, that everybody's not really talking about, but... Like in NFT, metaverse, they're buzzwords now. We're all hearing it, but many of us don't know much about it. So um, just, you know, if you got anything that you want to promote that people can follow to be able to kind of follow your journey as you continue to uh, navigate this virtual reality world, um, obviously this article where they can find this article, so on and so forth. If you want to do social media, that's fine too. Whatever it is you want to promote, let them know where to find you so we can continue to learn more. We need to be educated joe we need to be educated <laughs> yeah it's important um, um if someone wants to get a hold of me you can dm me on ig my uh my handles at arnoldable um spell yeah, that spell that a-r-n-o-l-d-a-b-l-e got it Anything else? Is that is that what we do? We DM you. We, when we need to know more about the metaverse, we DM you. I'm sending the winners your way, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you want some online content, um, yeah, DM me. All right. Joe, appreciate you, man, for joining me. Hey, thanks, Devon. It was a pleasure. Well, there you have it, folks. You are a little bit smarter about NFTs in the metaverse than you were 
prior to listening to this episode. That was my friend Joe Arnold. Again, it's so fascinating because, like, I'm going to just be honest here. I work at Street Roots, right? And we all know the demographics of the city of Portland. It's white. <laughs> um, there's not many black people. Um, but to just speak to Street Roots in particular, like, and these have been great people. Like, this is no knock to the individuals. We've had phenomenal volunteers since I've been there in my three and a half years working at Street Roots. But when I first started working at Street Roots, a lot of our volunteers were like the older, retired folks with a little bit of money that wanted to spend their time giving back to the community because, again, they're older, they're retired, they don't have much that, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to still have and find purpose and keep purpose, I should say, in their life from whatever it was that their career was or whatever it was that they were into prior to that. Like that was what you kind of expected to see from a Street Roots volunteer was maybe like the older retired person who's just spending the rest of their life giving back. Well, 2020, the pandemic comes around and uh, about 90% of those volunteers dropped by the wayside, baby. Like we had a bunch of older volunteers who obviously were at risk because of their age that were not able to come into Street Roots. And we never shut down at Street Roots during the pandemic. So like our newspaper shut down in particular, but for the folks that volunteered in the office, like the office was still operating. So we were doing like all digital content on the new with the newspaper in particular, but we had other services we were offering. We were doing everything in our power to get money in folks' pockets on the streets. We were helping people with stimulus checks. We were doing outreach. We were doing so many things during the pandemic that we never shut down. And then obviously you had this younger wave of folks who was like, well, I'm not really in the at-risk category for COVID. And they started coming in and volunteering at Street Roots. I mean, we got a little buzz, of course, with the uprisings and the stuff that we covered during the pandemic. So that was a thing. But like now, like we've got a really young volunteer crew at Street Roots. And I love it, honestly, because I get to have conversations like this with Joe just sitting in the office while we're, you know, doing what we got to do to keep the office operating day in and day out. And it's just these fascinating you know, things that they're all into and that they're all doing that's super interesting. So I'll be honest with you, while I love and appreciate the volunteers of the past at Street Roots, this is no knock to you. But as a director, I kind of like having the younger folks in there keeping things fresh. I got to be honest with you, I kind of like it. And, you know, I think we've grown in a lot of ways because of it. Obviously, you know, I just turned 29 yesterday. Literally yesterday was my 29th birthday. I'm recording this on Thursday the 13th, January 13th, of course. My birthday is on January 12th. So happy birthday to me. But as a 29-year-old, being able to kind of have people that are more like peers and not elders is, you know, it's kind of cool from like a social standpoint. Like, you know, when you're a kid in like school and, you know, you think the old folks are kind of corny because... <laughs> You know, you just can't quite relate to them, even though you grow to love and respect and admire them for so many reasons as you get older. But there's just always kind of that that generation gap where you just disconnect on some things like having kind of this younger volunteer base. 
I kind of connect with them in a different way, and it's kind of cool because I can get people like Joe to talk about the metaverse and NFTs here on the podcast. But make sure that you tell a friend to tell a friend about the Patreon um, Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey if you search us on the Patreon website, or you can go to patreon.com slash wakeupandwinpod. Right now we have the Just Win Baby tier, which is only $5. $5 a month. I know you got it to spend. And it'll be good content given to you because of it. On that note, we'll leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win.